What is up? And welcome in to Post Loons. I think we're at episode 12 now. And uh, bad news is we're recapping a 2-0 Minnesota United loss at the hands of Colorado. Good, good news is I finally have a guest host back. Not going solo for the first time in a while. And of course, it's the man himself, Grant, from the Dummy Run Podcast, joining me to break down. Uh, unfortunately, not breaking down much positive here, Grant. But it's good to be together again on Post Loons regardless. No, I mean, I appreciate you inviting me on. I think, um, if I remember correctly, have I ever been on a Post Loons where we've won? Uh, no. No, you're okay. on two during the four-game <laughs> losing streak, and now it's the 2 no loss. So maybe it's the curse of Grant. Yeah, maybe, maybe you guys the... might not. You might not want to have me on next time. but You uh, need to change your Twitter handle to at Cold North Curses. <laughs> instead of cold north rants but uh yeah we are here and you know what this game was a dud it was an absolute burn the tape type match so any questions comments thoughts you have on the game or honestly anything would you rathers this or that i mean we're here to take any input anything you want to throw in the chat we will respond to here on post loons of course if you want to comment about the shorts matching you know they're not matching the you know t-shirts and socks you know feel free to weigh in if you want to weigh in on you know reynoso's haircut chase gasper's shoes anything besides the game please just jump in you know please please drop a comment a question or a thought in the chat whether you're watching on twitter or youtube also give us a thumbs up on the youtube stream uh let us know you like the content let youtube know you like the content. All right, so let's get into this without further ado, Grant. Um, there was some, I mean, I we were texting a little bit before the match started, and I was not confident personally heading into this match. You were a little bit more confident than I was. Uh, I tell them. You were, em. You were, you were yeah, predicting, I believe it was a 4-2 Minnesota United win. Yeah. Was what I, you were predicting? You know, I swung for the fences because I was like, you know, I appreciate Jeremy. I know he needs material. And so I was like, here I am. You know, I'm going to give him something good. I will say I actually made that prediction unironically. I really yeah. thought bringing in Lude with Reynoso, with Fragapane, with Adrian Unu, I really thought that front four was going to combine very quickly. And we saw, I mean, honestly, 10 minutes into the game, we saw that it was not really building the way we thought it was going to build. And I don't know, Jeremy, did you... I, I haven't had a second yet. You know, I just watched the game, so I'm just still feeling the emotions. But have you had a second to diagnose what was going on? Because I couldn't understand why we couldn't manage to build up like we have. Like, last couple of games, mm -hmm. we've had 20-something shots on goal. And now we didn't – I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me. I should probably click them up once you're talking. But I don't think we had, like, more than 10. I mean, we didn't look good at all. No. No, it was seven shots overall. Six at half, seven overall. So just one shot. Two Brutal. on goal the entire match. Zero on goal in the second half. They were at six and two at halftime. Ended up seven and two. Uh, so, yeah, not much offensive output at all. Even with the six shots and two on goal at half, it just you there were no solid goal scoring opportunities the entire 90 for Minnesota United. And I think... The one underrated player for Minnesota United, he's not un really underrated at this point to me. I think people are slowly starting to realize what he brings to the table is Will Trap. 
I think what he does in terms of his ability to pass and and uh, participate in that buildup and the way he does and contribute in the buildup the way he does, I think Minnesota United was missing a lot of that tonight. Um, I think it goes to show that the defensive midfield still is really the backbone and the core of this team. Um, and when you have two defensive midfielders paired up with each other that you know, maybe aren't necessarily, I mean, obviously Gregor and Alonzo have that chemistry from when they were, uh, you know, paired up together all last season and all the previous season, but, you know, they really have not been paired up with each other at all this season. And so that lack of familiarity and the last lack of cohesiveness between those two, I think really did play a factor. Now, with that being said, when you have the front four that Minnesota United does, you expect there to be shots on goal. You expect there to be goal scoring opportunities. There were none of those tonight. Obviously, credit due to Colorado and their defense. Um, uh, we were texting during the match. You know, we both thought Colorado was really, um, you know, impressing defensively in terms of mitigating a lot of those chances. But Abubakar I, was playing out of his mind. Yeah, he I was. Mean, he in, insanely good. And and credit to Colorado because I I had to keep reminding myself, and I was watching with my wife Hannah. Like Colorado's a good team. I mean, mm-hmm. they are what they are. But like you're saying. We really missed. So Ozzy Alonso and Will Trapp bring two very different defensive midfield plays to the game. Like they're drastically different defensive midfielders. And mm-hmm. so Trapp is not the Ozzy bulldog break up every offensive attack. You know, he's not that guy, but he's the guy who will turn really quickly the other team's attack into mm-hmm. our attack. And he'll yeah. flip that really fast. And I honestly thought we missed that so badly. I also thought right away, you know, we have to be able to operate without Dotson because eventually I think he will get back into the U.S. lineup, even as a sub. Um, Mm -hmm. But we missed Dotson, I think, really badly. We missed his box-to-box contributions, whether it was defensively cleaning up, you know, plays or whether it was bringing the ball forward, passing the balls out to outlets. I think we really missed Dotson a lot. And also, I, think, I guess Dave Stevens agrees with me. So rock on, yeah, Dave. Yeah, Dave says defensive mid. Yikes, I was liking the Trap and Dotson combo. Missed that tonight. Um, yeah, for my money, the Trap and Dotson combo is the best defensive midfield pairing this team has right now. Um, so whether it was rotation whether it was a rotationary decision, uh, whatever the reason to have Trap and Dotson start on the bench, I think that played a huge factor into what we saw. Um, also, when you don't have a Roman Metinair to overlap on the right side as well, um, that can cause some issues, um, you know, not having that kind of uh, offensive prowess that you normally have. Uh, as we've seen this season, Roman Metinair is really a, a, a catalyst a lot of times for what this team can do offensively with his overlapping play on the right side. So when you don't have that, that can cause issues as well. But with that being said, I do want to iterate. There is no excuse when you have a front four that Minnesota United has to have the offensive performance that you had tonight. Absolutely no excuse. And I'm very, very glad that Kendra D. St. Aubin kind of laid into uh, Minnesota United like she did tonight because I do think they deserved it. And I do think it opened a lot of casual fans' eyes as to this. There is an expectation for this team. The expectation should be here. This team is playing down. You can't even see my hand. That's where this team is playing right now. Now, for context, Jeremy, so – I um, may or may not be using a sneaky VPN through like the Chicago area code. So I actually have no idea 
what Kendra said, because I had to listen to the Colorado Rapids broadcast the whole time, which, by the way, if you guys have never listened to the opposing team's broadcast before, it makes you appreciate Cal and Kendra so much, Mm -hmm. because I genuinely believe that Cal and Kendra are so neutral the whole game. They will say if something is good or bad on either team, and we're watching things that are just objectively, like they make no sense in you know, bad calls against the loons or whatever fouls against the loons. And we've seen it with, uh, you know, Columbus crew. We've seen it with mm-hmm. Colorado Rapids. I've watched these various games where you're like, their broadcast team are just full on Homer. So yeah. shout out to Cal and Kendra. They are an incredible broadcast team for myself. And maybe for others who are using VPNs, shout out VPNs. What did Kendra say about the, the team it wasn't anything really like specific that stood out because it was really just a constant critique the entire night of this is not up to the standard that we should be expecting from this team this is not the type of quality that we should be expecting with the pieces that this team has in place with the pieces that this team has brought in with the lineup the way it is with just the overall resources and the guys that are on the field for Minnesota United, doesn't matter how many subs are on there, doesn't matter where they are in terms of rotation, this is unacceptable, basically, is what she said. And I'm paraphrasing a lot of what she said, but that is really the core of kind of where she was. And each time Minnesota United was was not attacking, any time that Colorado was on the cusp of getting a second or you know eventually a third goal, um, she was right there to to call a spade a spade and, you know, say exactly what was on her mind and, and more importantly saying exactly what was on our minds, everybody who was watching the match. Well, I have a lot on my mind, Jeremy, if you yeah. don't mind, if I share it, absolutely. I think one of the largest things, you, you know, uh, I don't remember the, the pop singer who sings it, but you don't know what you have till it's gone. What's, mm-hmm. That was like a popular what- song. Take you know, paradise and put up a parking lot. I don't know. I can't remember who said that one. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. Uh, you know, first of all, we missed Metonier. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and, and that's, I want to make a moment and just say that DJ Taylor isn't, like, he's an incredible backup player. Like, mm-hmm. really very solid right back. It's really nice that we don't have to put Dotson into that position. We can focus on Dotson being a center midfielder. But, you can't replace Metnir that easily. It, it shows how valuable he is. And again, I thought DJ Taylor had a solid game overall, but it shows you how much we put on Metnir's shoulders where he mm. has to contribute so much defensively and then also contribute Offense. so much offensively. Like yeah. he has to combine all the time with Reynoso and you could see Reynoso looking to the right wing over and over and over for that moment. And he combined it a few times with, Robin Lude, but he he couldn't really build that kind of tempo that he was looking for. And so you're missing Metnir. Not to mention you're missing Baki Debasi and Michael Boxall, which like you you lose your starting center backs. Like that's a huge loss. Yeah. For any three, team, of, three of the four on your back line are gone. Absolutely. Three of the four on your back line, like that I'm not trying to make excuses. The team played poorly, period. But that's a huge loss. And then yeah. you're missing Dotson, who's cleaning up all these, you know, problems and also moving offensively. You've got Will Trapp, who's also making those diagonal passes forward. I mean, there were so many little things 
that contribute offensively besides just Reynoso. And then you have Reynoso who's getting absolutely bullied by every single player on the, on the Rapids. And, you know, I don't know if you read the recent Star Tribune article. Yeah. That's the Star Tribune article. That's the opposing team's game plan for facing Minnesota United is to bully and batter and beat up Reynoso and take him out of the game. And teams are doing that extremely well. Now, when you have a full kind of healthy lineup, there's just so many other weapons that Minnesota United has that they can beat you in other ways. But I think tonight was a little bit of an exposure that if if you get Minnesota United on a in a situation where they're not healthy or they have guys out on international duty or whatever it is, and you're able to take Reynoso out, the rest of that front front line, if they're kind of being told or or forced to rely upon themselves to make something happen maybe they're not fully capable of doing it on their own. I think that was the biggest disappointment was like, regardless of Metnir or Dotson or, you know, Will Trap or any of the players that we were missing, you would still expect a front four of Fragapane, Unu, Reynoso, and Lude to be able to create. And they really just didn't have that chemistry this game. I mean, it was really just surprising that they couldn't seem to combine you know, I, I thought that Fragapane was frequently caught too far inside. You know, he wasn't providing any space. I thought Robin Lude just kind of seemed, I hate saying this word because this has shades of like 2018 of like calling Robin Lude invisible. He wasn't, invi- like, I mean, he had a couple of good touches. He had a couple of good, like, you know, close 1v1. Uh, I think he might have nutmegged another guy this game, which, mm-hmm. you know, he's adding to that nutmeg total. Um, yeah. But like, they just, they're not combining in the way you'd expect. Unu was just really trying to find his way into the game. And, and I thought, you know, Lal Sabubakar saved a ton of opportunities that Unu almost probably would have converted. Yeah. But when they brought on Ramon Abila, which I will, we'll talk about that in a second too. I actually thought that was a good move personally. And I want to hear your opinion too, but personally I thought, you know, you need a physical presence to play a little hold-up play. You need to be able to move the ball around. And and they were just bunkering at, at the point where they scored the first goal. They just wanted to sit and run the timeout, honestly. Yeah. Uh, the addition of Abila, um, we saw in the match against San Jose that he was able to get himself in great goal-scoring opportunities, just really wasn't able to finish them off. That to me in of itself is a little bit of a, not, not necessarily a red flag, but an area of a concern with the reputation that Abila has gained from Boca Juniors coming in as kind of, you know, one of those out and out strikers who was able to put the ball in the back of the neck consistently. Uh, tonight, it, it was really just top to bottom, a, a failed effort in the attack. I don't know if bringing any one individual on could have made a difference and if you're talking about your forwards and your wingers, um, oh, 100%. I think I think seeing the game for what it was earlier on, and maybe bringing on Dotson and or Trap earlier on, could have maybe kind of propelled something in the attack for Minnesota United because we've already kind of talked about what they do in the build-up play. But it's it, I don't I don't really want to place blame on any individuals either for the lack of of. Uh, danger and the lack of you know quality goal scoring chances that we saw tonight it really was just kind of a a, a, f- a cumulative failed effort and attack it, it really really was 
uh, just really felt that way. Like it almost felt like these guys, you could bring Leo Messi onto the field right now for Minnesota United. And this is a huge stretch. This is an absolute exaggeration, but that's kind of what it felt like. It's like, I don't, I don't, I can't think of any one person this team could bring on right now to really kind of provide that spark. If it's not going to be Ethan Finley, it's not going to be Dotson. It's not going to be Trap. It's not going to be Abila. Then it's not going to be anybody. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of what it felt like. So um, I don't know if you have a structure to this. You want to, you know, keep it within that structure. But what did you think of Ramon Abla's performance without talking about the red card just yet? Um, he he was briefly on. It was very brief. He was briefly the... on. Um, kind of similar to what we talked about with Lud and a lot of the attack. It just very there. There was no impact. Little to no impact made. But he didn't, again, kind of back to my prior point, he didn't stand out necessarily in that regard either. Like a lot of people in the, like, especially when you look at the starting front four and the subs they brought on, all of them were were invisible in, in thought, some way, shape, or form. I thought right away when he came on, he had a moment where he had his back to goal. He was holding off Abubakar and he had a nice pass up to the top of the box. And, you know, it was a, it was a missed shot, but... I thought that was a good sub. It was going to build into what we were trying to do and maybe get us some good looks. Mm-hmm. And then the red card happened. Yep. And what did you think of that? Well, I didn't know what happened at first because it wasn't caught initially on the initial cameras. And then they showed the close-up shot. And our friend CJ Fogler, GIF King, uh, on, on Twitter was able to kind of uh, extrapolate that and put it out on Twitter there was sort of like a like a short jab to the rib cage of the guy who was standing right next to him. I can't remember who that was now um, on that set piece. So they did look at they did look at it on VAR because the 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 video communications MLS Twitter account tweeted something out that they officially did look at it. And based on that video review, they did determine like like confirm it was a red. So the referee. I think must have been right there to be able to see that in real time. Mm-hmm. And if he was right there and he saw a jab to the ribs, I guess I would rather them give a, give a straight red in that situation. As long as they continue to be consistent about it throughout the season. Um, because that's, a, that's the thing that gets me. If, if you put that situation in a vacuum, I don't mind the straight red there. But when you talk about overall, there's kind of the subjectivity that comes into play with some of these calls and some of these decisions, that's where it gets sort of muddy. And that's where there's this gray area where it's really tough to, to determine, okay, this is a straight red. This is a yellow, you know, it's, it's like the handball situation all over, you know, what's a handball, right? It's, it's really subjective at this point, which, which I think that's where the problem is. But as far as this call in and of itself, I don't necessarily have a problem seeing that close-up replay of the actual punch happening. I would respectfully uh, share a, a different opinion, just in the sense of, as a former player, I don't, I don't know if you played soccer before, but I mean that was every corner kick yeah. that I've been a part of. Like that, that happens at every single corner kick I've ever been a part of. Is somebody's either well, yeah, doing there's, a little, there's, like, there's elbowing, quick, there's jockeying for position, there, there's that. There's always so yeah. I. I, I I fail to see how that's a red. I'm not I'm not going to say it's not a yellow. You know he did he put the elbow out. I see it. I acknowledge it. But in every single corner kick I've ever been a part of in the entirety of my soccer career, which 
ended after high school. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt, right? Uh, you know, close the yearbook grant. Am I right? But like that happens every single corner kick is somebody's putting their arms out. They're hitting you in the sack. Like they're throwing their, their hands, their arms. They're doing all sorts of things to gain an advantage. And I'm not saying it's all acceptable, but what I'm saying is what Abila did was really like very par for the course. You know, I, I hate to bring up American football, but like they talk about in American football, how there's, there's holding on every play. And so you know, you can call holding plays when they're egregious or when they're really affecting the play. But same with corner kicks. Like, there wasn't even the corner kick that had happened yet. And he threw his arm out a little bit. And this player fell to the ground. It was Rubio, I believe. And it's like, I, I mean, I get it. You know, you're going to try to, you know, bring on as much attention as you can to the refs. But, like, I don't think it was red, personally. I think that's a yellow um it it just seems like such an aggressive call for a game that had already been pretty physical overall Mm -hmm. that's my personal opinion some people may agree and i may be a homer too i may be wearing my loons colored glasses so (laughs) i mean you are wearing the the river kit so oh i forgot i forgot yeah right (laughs) all right so you asked earlier about structure grants this is what we're doing to the structure this week. Oh, this is what we're doing. We're throwing it out it up, the window. Throw it away. Yep. Uh, before we get too off track, though, I do want to uh, shout out our good friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Uh, I didn't update the banner, so I apologize. But the $35 unlimited pickup membership is still a thing. So if you want to get in shape, but you don't like to work out, you don't like to go run, but you're interested in soccer, pickup soccer is a great way to do it. And Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee is the place to do it because rain or shine, they are open because they're indoor. They have the garage doors, though. So on nice days, they open up the garage doors. You feel like you're outside, even though you got a roof over your head. You're able to get that pickup game in, whether you want to do it during your lunch break, lunch pickup, Tuesdays and Thursdays at noon, or you want to hit up the evening pickup on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Check out them on Twitter and Instagram at Ninth Street MPLS because they will also tweet out specific times that they're going to do late night pickup like 9 p.m. pickup on Tuesdays or Thursdays, depending. Uh, so check them out, 9thStreetMPLS.com, to either get that $35 unlimited pickup membership or compete in kind of one-off $5 pickup sessions. You can see the times right here as well. You just get signed up over on the website. It's actually the Open Sports app is where you actually go to do it. So if you want to go directly there, just look up Night Street Soccer and Coffee. That's how you get involved. Um, obviously, it says next Minnesota United Watch Park. Party is July 7th. That is not the case. Um, it's going to be in August because the next two Loons matches on the 18th and 24th, those are at home, and they usually don't do watch parties for home games for obvious reasons. Um, so just hit them up, NightStreetMPLS.com to learn everything about our good friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. The coffee shop will be open soon. They're going to have awesome, uh, awesome selection there. So check them out, NightStreetMPLS.com, 801 South Night Street in Minneapolis. That is where you can find our good friends at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Thanks so much to them for sponsoring Post Loons. Um, so we're throwing the 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 rule. I want to say we're really thro- quick, if that's yeah. okay. I want to say really quick. I don't know if you retweeted something from them, but I saw a photo randomly of like their interior. It looks nice as hell. Like that is a awesome. super cool and it's I, a cool vibe. Good so, for Night Street. Yeah. 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 So they had me in. Uh, Derek had me in. One of the owners back in like December. 
And it was when it was still very bare bones. They were able to have pickup soccer there, but they hadn't really had anything like to set up. It was a lot of wooden beams and stuff. Um, so he was telling me like the vision that they had and just seeing kind of the pictures and kind of the evolution that it's taken over the last seven months. It is really, really cool. And they are far from done yet. This place is going to be uh, extravagant. Uh, it's going to be awesome by the time it's completely done. So go be part of it. Ninth Street MPLS. Dot com. Love those guys there. Um, so yeah, we're throwing the structure out the window, Grant. We're throwing the rule book out the window. This is basically just going to be a Q&A, question and answer. Your thoughts on the stream. Uh, hit us up, whether you're watching on YouTube or Twitter. Hit us up with a question, comment. Can be about the game. Can be about the Euro semifinal earlier today. Can be about the Bucks game that Grant's going to sweat out tomorrow night. Can be about whatever whatever's going on in your world, in your life, whether it's loons related or not. Hit us up in the chat. We're going to answer right. your uh, your questions and uh, address your thoughts on the air here. Following this game, that was a little harsh to just bring up that Bucks game. That I'm already stressed already. I was talking but, about tomorrow. Uh, I was talking about tomorrow. <laughs> I was not talking about game one. We're oh, okay, on to game good, two, good. Grant. We're on to game so, two. So um, one of the things that the uh, Colorado announcers brought up was that 10 of the goals against Minnesota, so 10 out of the 16 goals that we've allowed – against Minnesota have come in the last 15 minutes of the first half, the first 15 minutes of the second half, which tells me, and I want your opinion on this too, but to to me, that's just, it's a loss of focus at the end and it's a lack of drive at the beginning. But again, I'll, I'll bring that back up. Last 15 minutes of the first half or the first 15 minutes of the second half, that's 10 of the 16 goals we've given up this year. Wow. I did not know that stat. That's pretty uh, eye-opening, to be honest. And it makes a ton of sense. I mean, yeah, this is a team, and and we've seen it time and time again. You know, you, you think they're going to go into half, whether it's their level or they're ahead. You think the scoreline's going to be one way. And then that completely, those time frames specifically completely change the momentum of a match. To go mm-hmm. into half giving up a goal or come out of half giving up a goal, kind of setting the tone for the second half giving something up that completely changes the dynamic of the match. And so, yeah, it's, it makes sense to me that Minnesota United is where they are right now. Um, You know, that stat really, I think kind of says a lot about it. Um, So that's very, very interesting. I want to get to Christopher Alphabee's question though. Carlos Tevez or a center back prospect question mark. Yeah. If you haven't seen, there are some rumors from some Argentinian media outlets out there that Carlos Tevez could be coming to Minnesota United or is in talks uh, to come to Minnesota United. That would be interesting. Um, I'm not huge on the whole like aging star to MLS type deal, but I don't know. I'd be cool to see Carlos Tevez in a Minnesota United jersey. I don't know. What do you think? So I'm a diehard Manchester United fan. Mm-hmm. So the idea of Carlos Tevez coming to Minnesota United would be incredible. He's like 37, so I'm not expecting a single goal out of him. I just want him to play for our team so I can get the jersey and then mm-hmm. call it a day. Like, that's all I want. So um, if I had to choose between the two that Chris is asking me, I would pick a center back. Um, yeah. You know, I do love Carlos Tevez, but he's he's in his late 30s, so I yeah, I don't expect a lot out of him. We definitely need... You know, I, I actually thought Yuka Raitala played very admirably. I thought Brent Coleman played very admirably overall. 
but they're both not what we need. And if mm-hmm. we're not going to have Michael Boxall, you know, he's what, 31, 32, and we're not going to have Baki Debasi, who I believe is also 31. I, we need a, a center back in their prime. That's going to be the the foundation, basically the, the new Michael Boxall, basically. Yeah. I would not be surprised if, so today I'm at gymnastics with my daughter, uh, my daughter, Jenny. And were you doing the the, uh, the bars or what were you doing? I was just sitting there watching. Oh, okay. Uh, so you weren't so doing the gymnastics. I was not doing the gymnastics. <laughs> I was I was supervising as my daughter did the gymnastics. But there are like six or seven girls in their in their class, and one of the other dads sitting next to me had a Minnesota United shirt on, and so we were kind of talking and we we're talking about like, oh, you know, when they buy down Gregish or whatever, they're going to have another DP spot open. What what do you think that what do you think they should do with it? And I told him like. At this point, I don't think they buy down Gregush. I think he's somebody they maybe part ways with, uh, like, like just completely part ways with after the season's over. But whichever whichever happens, I think coming into next season in the offseason, Minnesota United will have at least one DP spot available. And I would not hate if that went towards a center back. You have an aging Bakai Debasi who also can play left back. So you would have a really good flex option kind of in the, in, in, in the, in the background there uh, for depth. Um, if you bring in a, a DP center back. So that's, that's kind of where I think this could be going. Now, if, if this season really starts to get off the rails, it may be a more urgent matter to bring in a prospect or um you know, somebody else who can help along the back line. If Boxall's out for a while, if you're losing guys for a while, that could be something that maybe more of a Band-Aid than a, than a long-term solution. Um, but that's kind of where I am on the center back situation is um, I I would like to see them wait because they're to me, they're stacked everywhere else. In the attack, in the midfield, in the defensive midfield right now, to me, they're stacked at kind of all their all their position groups. And when they're fully healthy, they're pretty stacked on the back line as well but I do think center back is a place where they can afford to get a little bit younger and get a little bit with all due respect to Bakai Debasi, who has been amazing. If you can get a young DP to insert into that starting spot and maybe make Debasi your, your depth option, they're either at left back or at left center back. That to me may be the best, the best long-term option moving forward for Minnesota. Are you saying you don't believe in Nabi Kibanguchi? Hey, you know, he could turn into somebody. Who knows? But we don't no, know. I'm, I'm actually I'm very excited about his prospects, but I agree with what you're saying. I think we need a player who's like ready to go right now. Who, mm. you know, if that's gonna be your DP, that's a player you're expecting to start. And then Boxall or Debasi is switching in and out. And they both, you know, like you're saying, no disrespect to either of them. They're incredible players, they're great people, they're intelligent, smart defenders, but Father time comes for us all, you know, and it's inevitable that you'll have to rotate some of those guys out. So yeah, center back, I would love it. I would love to see that happen. To me, Minnesota United is in their window now, and I think they need to capitalize on it. That's kind of where I am. I am Wait, I want to, I want to center on that really quick. Who's the window centered around? That's a great question. I know. That's why I, asked I would that. say Emmanuel Reynoso at this point. That's controversial, but I would agree. Okay. All <laughs> right, let's let's go back to some more questions. Hannah Ryan, what would be the dream eleven for Minnesota United aside what we have from what we have now? 
Oh, oh, good question. So good are we question. talking? How do we want to take this question, Greg? Because this could go this could go a ton of different ways. Like all time oh, well, Minnesota United best eleven, or like best eleven of the players that we currently have. Uh, where where are we taking this? So this is my wife, by the way. So okay. she's she's throwing up a lob uh, a softball lob right now. I would say Dream Eleven for let's say of all Minnesota United players, period. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and take this. I'm okay. going to say we'll, we'll keep Chase Gasper on the left, you know, left back. We'll go uh, Ike Opara, Michael Boxall, right back, Matt Neer. So pretty easy on the back line. Uh, I would say, obviously, Ozzy, but, like, can we say peak Ozzy? I'm going to call that peak Ozzy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll say peak Ozzy. I think we're assuming everybody's in their prime at this okay, point. Okay, all right, so peak Ozzy. Uh, I would... I would go peak Dotson. I would say let's just keep Dotson where he is right now because I okay. think he brings a lot of energy to the team. Left wing, I, I like what I see out of Franco Fragapane. I still have so much love for Kevin Molino that I'm going to have to go with Kevin Molino on left wing. Uh, Reynoso, obviously, at the 10, easy choice. Right wing is tricky because Ethan Finley at his prime was like a baller. I mean, that was a minute, uh, major league soccer best 11. Mm-hmm. So I have to decide between Robin Lude or Ethan Finley. And I, as a guy who's currently wearing a Robin Lude jersey, yeah. you know, I, I'm going to have to go with Ethan Finley just for the Minnesota best 11, or not Minnesota, I keep saying that, uh, major league soccer best 11. And then striker, I'm not going to say Christian Ramirez. I know a lot of people want me to say that. Oh, man, the, the, I could just. <laughs> The torch and pitchforks are coming out right now. I'm for canceled. You, I'm canceled. How dare you? How dare you? I would you? say, I would say, as much as I love Unu already, I would say for my personally dream eleven, Amaria is still in, healthy, right. uninjured. Man, it's it's just so disappointing. What could have been? Get. Yeah, that's like one of the biggest what ifs in Minnesota United history. What is ifs? Luis Amaria? If if COVID doesn't happen and injuries don't happen what happens with with luis um so i'm gonna take this real quick i need yours yeah 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 let's hear it okay so i'm gonna switch things up a little bit i'm gonna go debasi on the left opara boxall metanir no offense to chase gasper but i i think if you're choosing to have debasi or gasper in there i'm going gasper i'm going to i'm going to bossy um i'm gonna go alonzo at the six Will trap at the eight. Oh, yep. Uh, well, defensive oriented. Yeah, a little bit, a okay, little okay, bit. Okay, this okay, team okay, has okay. led from the back for a long time, so I'm kind of okay. going with that identity. Um, we're still going four two three one here, though. Okay. Um, I'm with you, Molino on the left, Ray at the ten. Just, eight. just for just to change it up, I'm going load on the right. Okay. Uh, I got to give you this jersey. Uh, it's yours now, uh, apparently. Then. Yeah, and then I'm actually going to go with. To me, it's either Hunu or Ramirez up top, um, because I really like Adrian Hunu, and we just got a, such a big sample size of Christian Ramirez and what what he could do, and he's kind of really ingrained with Minnesota United. So to appease everybody, I'm going. Uh, I'm going uh, Christian Ramirez up top. Um, Chris Alphaby. 
thank Wait, you for do you, that. Do you hear that sound? That's that's all the pitchforks going back into their yes, exactly. You know, See, I had to houses. keep them at bay for us. <laughs> I did this for us, Grant. Okay? Thank you, thank you. Uh, Chris Alphabet says, "Who's in goal?" Vito. Um, I'm gonna go Tyler Miller. Actually, myself. I know Oof. Vito was 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 goalkeeper of the year, and he is the obvious choice to go Tyler Miller and goal. Yeah, I would say for me personally, uh, I love Dane St. Clair and I have his jersey. I also love Tyler Miller because I grew my mustache out for him, stashes out for Miller. Um, but as an Italian, I got to love me some Vito Minone. You know, you got to get the little sauce on it, got a little mm-hmm. marinara on it. So, uh, yeah, if I'm going to make my dream 11, it's got to have Vito Minone in there. Okay. Uh, Sam from Pot on Loons, good friend, says this is why Grant is the only vice president <laughs> of the Robin Lude fan club. Uh, gotta love that. Gotta love that friendly banter back and forth between Minnesota United podcasts. Love it. Uh, let's, let's go into Sol- Sullivan Bell 7 on Twitter. What went wrong? I don't think it was the back line. I don't think it was the back line either. I think it was just a real... I don't know. It, it, it could be the fact that there were a lot of pairings and a lot of unfamiliar faces on the field that maybe just didn't, didn't have the cohesiveness together. Um, to me, that's not really an excuse. I think the more the problem was more in the midfield and the attack than it was defensively tonight. I mean, just right off the bat, like I agree with Sullivan. You know, the, the first goal is not a goal that I'm really going to blame on the defense. You know, Chase Gasper was closed down on the player and the player got a touch up field on him and got his left foot free. And, and you know, you obviously have to close down on that, you know, play it a little bit closer probably. But that wasn't terrible defense from any player. And Tyler Miller had his hand within inches of the ball. Like, that was almost a non-goal, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I agree. I don't think the first goal was necessarily the defense's fault. In my mind, this was always going to be a punch out from two offenses because of the players we were missing. And so in my mind, what went wrong was the fact that we couldn't create an offense. I always thought, so Jeremy will affirm this. I don't think you called me out, if I remember correctly. You you didn't call me out. I predicted a 4-2 victory for the Loons. And so we got the two goals for Colorado Rapids. We did not get the four. You're just four goals short. Grant. Yeah, just, just four goals short. I kept saying any minute now we'll get those four goals, but like we we could never really develop the offense that I was expecting us to do, and and that's in my opinion where it went wrong. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Dave Stevens back to Kendra. She says, or he says, Kendra was as critical as I've ever heard her. Not wrong tonight. Yeah, you could definitely hear the frustration. Uh, in her voice, kind of, you know, echoing the frustration that we all felt watching the match. Um, Sullivan Bell. I must have missed out because I, I never, uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't privy not, to the Minnesota. And I don't want to say it was this big spectacle because it really wasn't. It it's was not, I mean, really I keep seeing it on it Twitter. It, was. it really is just calling it for, for what it was. And, you know, it, it's, it, it's not, I don't want to say it's rare to have, you know, employees of the team calling the team out, but, you know, it is the Homer broadcast that they are employees of Minnesota United. I think that's what people, I don't know if I want to say they fail to realize this, but but these are employees of the team. 
who are who are calling these calling these matches. So you know, to be hypercritical um, is not something you're really ever going to hear too often, unless it really warrants it. And I think tonight it, it warranted the criticism, and Kendra was not afraid to to give it. The thing that I'll say though, in in a positive, is that when you listen to the other broadcasts, none of the other team broadcasters will be as critical or just. I wouldn't even say critical. I'll just be like as honest as Kendra and Cal will be. And that's something mm-hmm. that like yeah. we should really take and appreciate because yeah, for they sure. actually Absolutely. give real observations. Yeah. Even if you listen to uh, the match day podcasts or even sound of the loons with, with Cal and, and Steve McPherson, they're not, they're not afraid to, you know, critique this team and, and talk about what's going wrong and how things can improve and things like that. So I agree. I mean, I was watching uh, an FC Dallas. I can't remember who they were playing. It was like may, may have been in inter, Miami. This was last week. The FC Dallas broadcasters literally wear FC Dallas polos while they're calling the match. <laughs> like it's, it's like, it's like, you know, I, I don't know. It was just it was just weird, weird for me to see. But it's also like, oh yeah, these are employees of the team, not of necessarily just the the broadcast company who's you know Bally Sports or whatever who's who who uh, has the games, who broadcasts mm-hmm. the games. Uh, Christopher Alphabet says, "Why does this team seem to never come out with energy? Maybe that's my heat out in me. But every single game, we seem to be slow to get going." Um, I I would say that has been more the case than not. I wouldn't say every game. I actually think there have been uh, a few games, especially recently, where this team's come out pretty hot. And on the front foot, uh, Portland is a prime example, going up early in the second minute. Um, but yeah, I mean, there there have been a lot of stretches, whether it's early in the match, late in the first half, early in the second half, as you mentioned, Grant. This team has gone through stretches over the course of matches that they just seem to be slow or or hesitant to really do anything there have been a lot of stretches to me where it looks like some like everybody on the field is waiting for somebody else to make a play waiting for somebody else to provide the spark and then okay yeah i'll piggyback off that but you know at some point someone has to take the reins and say screw this we're you know i'm gonna be the spark Let, let's go let's do this um and with with then i think a lot of it does have to do with as we mentioned before teams taking Emmanuel Reynoso out of the game because he really was that spark for the late portions of last season and even kind of the first few matches in this season where they were on that four-match losing streak, but, you know, Reynoso was giving the team a little bit of a spark. Um, That's not the case because he has been the focal point of other teams' game plans. I would think, uh, in my mind, like, I would think about, you know, how many players in each starting 11 are new to each other every single time. And so you have to like think about that and understand that we have players who are, you know, still building chemistry within each other. They're still understanding, you know, what Heath is asking of them and mm-hmm. every single starting 11 has been a little bit different than the other. And we're still building upon that. And so I agree we aren't starting as fast as we should be. You know, a couple of game exceptions aside, Portland was a good one. Uh, we were really firing hot. Steve Clark just kind of, you know, balled out as a goalie um, for Portland. But realistically, yeah, have have we been a little lackadaisical? I, I agree, we have been. But I also think without making too many exceptions, without making too many excuses, we're still 
kind of feeling out what this true starting 11 is. And every single game has been a little bit different. We've got Nico Hansen and I've got Robin Lude and now we've got Ramon Abila in. now we've got, you know, every single game has been something new. And so we're figuring out how do we play with the players next to us? And that's, you know, a recipe for a slower start than you would want. Mm -hmm. Once we get our starting offense and our starting defense and our central midfield cemented, which I know is a lot to ask with all the various things going on, we're going to look a lot hotter than we do right now. That's my very optimistic belief, but I believe it with my full heart. I mean, this team was, you know, six unbeaten coming into this match. So seven, seven unbeaten, seven unbeaten coming into this match. I apologize. So there is, you know, we we've seen that this team can can put it together and can, you know, uh, you know, be a, a a danger both in attack and defense, and and you know, put a whole ninety together. Uh, we've seen them do it. But tonight, it just seems like everything. Uh, it just seems like that wasn't uh, that wasn't to be, and there was a lot of reasons for that, a lot of blame to go around. But like I said, to me, this is one of those matches where you just sort of burn the tape and 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 move on. Uh, let's get to more questions. Matt Garrett, I agree, backline wasn't the problem, but it seems like Gasper has played off a guy too far off and given up a goal like tonight before. Um. Yeah, I think we've I've kind of made my point clear that I think Gasper at this point is really only as good as the center back playing next to him and the left winger playing in front of him. I think when he's surrounded by guys who play their roles very well, he plays his role very well. If he's expected to have to cover for anybody, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, a left winger who doesn't normally start or a, or a center back who doesn't normally start and having to cover for them, uh, then you see situations where Gasper can struggle. Um, I didn't necessarily see anything that was too noteworthy in a, in a, in a bad or good or bad sense from Gasper tonight, I guess. Um, he kind of similar to like we mentioned, a lot of guys seem to be a little bit invisible tonight. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Gasper has, has shown he, he can struggle, especially when there are situations where rotation is happening around him or something's happening around him that requires, uh, you know, somebody else to sort of fill in that spot. I didn't think he had a terrible game. I understand that, like, he was the guy defending the guy who scored on the first goal. So I get that part. I also think our expectations of Gasper have been wildly warped by how incredible Roman Metinier has played because he has been an all-encompassing offensive asset and a defensive asset, which like it's impossible to describe how superhuman he's played at moments. He's been Roman Metinier has been all the way up to the end line and then tracked back all the way to recover the ball and then, you know, Mm -hmm. bring it right back up again, cross it in. And so we look at Chase Gasper and there were moments tonight where I was looking at, chase play where he got all the way to the end line offensively and then obviously he's tired coming back and so he's not slow but he's getting back as quick as can and there's no winger really covering for him so i agree with you that it depends on you know how his left winger is doing which i think franco fragapane honestly has played pretty well defensively i mean he saved us a goal he literally saved a goal for us with that header Um, but yeah, I, I think Chase, 
the expectations need to be understood. He will bring the ball forward. He'll cross it in or he'll dribble it in. But I, I think you can't compare him to a Metonier because mm. Metonier is so good. Yeah. Oh, we have a we have a special special guest here with us, Grant. Oh, it's the, it's the newest addition to Minnesota United Twitter, Loonsylvania themselves, chiming in on post loons. P A loon. Uh, what would you do with a long wait from the next game after such a lackluster showing? Uh, for those of you who don't know, I believe. Uh, cr- Correct me if I'm wrong. This is the guy who was like narrowing down the teams that they were going to support. Guy or girl? We don't know. We don't true, know. True. This way. was the individual. I apologize. I apologize. This is the individual who was narrowing down the teams they were going to support on on Twitter, and eventually uh, it, it narrowed down, and Minnesota United was it. And so, literally, this person changed their Twitter avatar, their their handle. So newest Loons fan, newest addition to Minnesota United Twitter, um, already uh, already a celebrity on that front, I would say. Uh, well, so I got something. I got in. something. Yeah. Uh, so first thing I would do with the long wait is um, not hop off the Minnesota United bandwagon. I would also not support Nashville. Um, you know, they have a terrible hashtag. Why and not I would, Nashville? Everyone N. That is the worst hashtag ever. They've so got over a, a hashtag. You're going. Yeah, it's over. Uh, yeah, 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 yep, 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 yeah. Oh, and there are they're, worse they're options like, out there. Their their colors are like a knockoff of Columbus Crew. I mean, Alex and I have talked about it on our podcast a lot. It it's yeah. There are so no many other to teams to bash in MLS before you get fair. To fair. The other one that I know uh, Lunsylvania will appreciate is uh, don't support FC Cincinnati because apparently all their fans are razzing him. Or her, whoever oh. the individual is. Well, their team's uh, garbage too. So it's like, yeah, they're not good. They're not good. They just got hosed. I don't know if you saw it. They got hosed for an international spot. The Timbers bought an international spot from FC Cincinnati. And then sold it for like twice the price. Yeah, yeah, more than <laughs> twice. So, yeah. uh, anyways, realistically, what would I do with the long wait after the next game? I would look and think about the individual pieces this team has. And think about the long wait means more practices that these players all get together. Robin Lude, Franco Fragapane, Adrian Unu, Emmanuel Reynoso. Hopefully, Baki Debasi gets healthy. Uh, Michael Boxall will probably be gone. So whether it's Brent Coleman or Yuka Raitala, they'll get together. This team is going to continue to gel. And so I would sit and meditate peacefully and think about how many unbeaten games we're going to go on this next stretch. I would say decide on who you want to be your starting 11 and put them together in practice and put them together in practice again and put them together in practice again and develop cohesion. That's what you need to do. Cause as you mentioned, Grant, there's been so many different starting 11s and so many different pieces. And I get that there are circumstances that dictated making those changes, but at some point you need to just, and this is something Adrian Heath has done in the past. He's, he's really kept starting 11s pretty consistent almost to the, you know, you have people screaming on social media for him to rotate players and give guys rest. But he is he has been adamant about keeping the same guys on the field. You need to find out, especially with two games over the next 17 days, you need to figure out, okay, who's my starting 11 right now without Boxall? When we get Metonair back, you know, who is that starting 11? Who is in there? Um, I have a pretty good idea of who it is, but okay, let's get them out there. Let's get them together and let's get them training together 
again, again, and again, day after day after day to, to develop that and get back on the right track. Because to me, it's not necessarily, uh, to disagree with you a little, little bit, Grant, it's not necessarily about the individual pieces. We know we have the individual pieces. It's putting those pieces together and keeping them together and getting them to, to work together in a way that is going to benefit the squad. Oh, in the long term. Agreed 100%. That to me is what you need to do. It's not, it's not a matter of bringing in two to three more players. It's bringing in two to three more team building exercises. That's what we need. There you go. I like that. I like that. Uh, let's go to, oh, Lunsylvania confirms guy. Okay. Thank you. Glad I, glad I stumbled upon the right, the right. Uh, Wait, no. Is he French? Is it, is it guy is his name or guy as in guy gender? I'm pretty sure we're talking about gender here. Okay. So. All right. Well, thanks for hanging in guy. All right, I'm in United FC Loon said just joined, so not sure this has been talked about already, but does Nico Hansen do anything? Nico <laughs> I'm actually Hansen, pro Ni- Nico Hansen. Here, I'm actually going to take this first because I, Go for I have kind of been on this soapbox or, or kind, of, kind of beat the drum for Nico Hansen over the last few weeks on Post Loons. Um, I think that while he doesn't necessarily do anything flashy, I do think there is something to be said for how he worked with those other guys up front during the time that Robin Lode was gone. I think he was a great positive addition on the right wing in terms of just facilitating things and, and being kind of a, a piece there that is going to positively contribute. Yes. He's not going to, you know, put up a brace. He's not going to, you know, he had a number of shots that weren't on target. That's fine. But when he's on the field with the rest of those guys for an extended period of time, we've seen good things happen offensively for Minnesota United. And so I do think that Nico Hansen does bring more of a positive than negative impact. But when he's only on for, for 15 minutes, what do you necessarily want from him in that situation? Agreed 100%. I think he is uh, currently going through the Robin Lude treatment in that people are not appreciating the off-ball stuff he's doing or the opportunities or chances he's creating, which Robin Lude and 2019, you know, obviously wasn't scoring goals, but he was getting there. He was making the right runs. He was making the right shots. And so if you look at the shots and opportunities that Nico Hansen has had, they're good. I mean, those are good shots. They're they're a mm-hmm. tiny bit off. They're just off the post. They're just off the goalie's hand. They're just right outside the post. And it's like all you need for him to do is keep doing what he's doing and they'll go in. So Nico Hansen... I have no worries about him. He will be a great impact sub for us. Uh, Dave Stevens talking about the red card says, I thought he, Abila, had an elbow followed by a kidney punch. Red could be a multi-game suspension, question mark. I certainly hope it's not a multi-game suspension. Um, I guess they'll take a closer look, and I guess maybe we could take a closer look too in terms of what happened there. Um you know, I haven't heard from the league. This is sort of like a new point of emphasis. If it is, then maybe I would get if something happened after the fact. But as we talked about, um, you know, it was a borderline red in our opinion. So I don't necessarily think a suspension is on the horizon for Abila. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I think when you see so many people uh, tackling studs up on Reynoso, actively kicking his ankles, actively pulling his feet out from under him, I mean, what what is one thing versus the other? I've taken an elbow to the ribs. That's not that bad. So I mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. Anyways, I'm biased. I'm mm-hmm. biased. I'll admit it. 
Get out of here with your bias. This is an unbiased post-game show, don't you know? That's not why you bring me on. You bring me on for the rants. I bring you on for the rants. That's exactly why. I bring you on rants, bring ratings. And that's that's why that's why I bring you on, Grant. Okay, we're going to get a few more of these before we get out of here. If you have any additional, if you have not provided a question, comment, or a thought on the game tonight and you want to drop that in the chat before we uh, head out of here, please do so on Twitter and YouTube. If you're checking us out on YouTube, before you uh, before we uh, finish up here, give us a thumbs up. That would be awesome to do so uh, on the stream. Very much appreciate it. Chris Alphaby says, in my opinion, Gasper needs someone to push him in 2019. We had that other French guy pushing him for that spot since he's mostly been the lone left back on this team. Also, he just needs a break. Yeah, I mean, Gasper has started and played most all of every single match for Minnesota United this season. Um, you know, he's kind of had that Iron Man, Michael Boxall treatment. Um, I think though, that there are kind of a lack of options on the left side. You could put Debassi on the left and maybe bring a Coleman or a Raitala in, in, in center back when you're, you know, talking, if you're fully healthy, Minnesota United. Um, I do think that maybe he could use a, a break, some time off or rotation outs, uh, might not be a bad idea. But as we just mentioned, there are only two games over the next 17 days. So I highly doubt he gets that here in July. Um, but I do think having somebody pushing him is a good point. Um, and I do think that when Debassi was brought in, that was sort of kind of what we thought, or at least what I thought would happen, is that Gasper would sort of feel that pressure that if I'm not performing well, well, they can just slot this guy in, in my spot and put one of the other four center backs that we have in that center back role. So, but Minnesota United has not necessarily acted upon that and in that nature. So he may feel comfortable enough in his position. Yeah. You lose Jose Aha, uh, you know, things happen. So yeah, it could be a situation where Gasper maybe does feel a little bit comfortable in a spot. Maybe, you know, uh, like it's not necessarily in jeopardy or up for grabs. I mean, I think we're in the position where he he's getting back to a good form. So I always agree. I think every player needs someone pressing them for their position. So, I, you know, you could say Emmanuel Reynoso or Adrian mm-hmm. Onu, any player, I, I would like our team to be pressing those players for their positions. But yeah, I, I think, you know, Debassi and Raitala both were kind of intended to be players who could push him when everybody else on that line is healthy. But we've had so many players out who could have expected Michael Boxall to be called up to the Olympics randomly. I mean, Mm -hmm. just, there were so many factors that no one could expect. Um, And that's where we're at. You know, we're just, we're constantly rolling with the punches and that's the back line that we have. Yep. And let me get to one more here before we get out of here. Where was that? Dave Stevens, kind of a good, good way to sum this up. Uh, I'd not forget the seven game unbeaten streak. Not bad after four losses to start. And, in the playoff conversation. Uh, yeah, currently Minnesota United does hold, with even with the loss, they hold the seven spot. Um, they actually have a game in hand on the team behind them, which is Houston. So um, it is positive. Um, you're still kind of in that top seven, which is where you need to be. Um, and that's honestly a huge upgrade compared to what we were talking about just a month and a half ago, Grant, right? We were just kind of hoping to get back into the playoffs and all of a sudden seven games unbeaten and you're right back there, even after a loss, even after a one point week, uh, a disappointing one point week, you're still in that top seven in the West. So yeah, all is not lost. This was an absolute dud tonight. 
uh, one of the worst performances that we've seen from Minnesota United in recent memory when you're talking whistle to whistle. I mean, I'd be hard pressed to find a worse performance than this for a 90 minute for all 90 minutes when you're talking the last two seasons for Minnesota, right? So yeah, it sucks. And it's a situation where, yeah, this team better turn it around, but they've shown they can be a lot better than this. And I think the sample size does show that this team is a lot better than this. So let's not pull the ripcord just yet. But yeah, there are a lot of a lot of things we can critique and we can discuss and we can say this needs to be better, obviously, when you have a game like tonight. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of where I am. Grant, any final thoughts from you? I would agree 100 percent. I think you take those first four losses and you think we were better than those losses like we really were. Right. And then you take the seven game unbeaten streak and any of those ties we realistically could have won. And maybe on some of them should have won. You know, San Jose is a pressing example. Um, and this last game, we we played really poorly. And so in every single game this year, I I would say, honestly, barring only Seattle at the beginning, we really could have and maybe even should have won. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can say that over an 11-game stretch for any other season for the Loons. This is a team that has incredibly high expectations and we should be hitting those marks. And so I think we will be trending more towards the mean, more towards the average. And I believe that this team is going to gel. They're going to build chemistry. And so we're going to start seeing some wins racking up. Um, I, I don't think that seven game unbeaten streak is an anomaly. I think that is honestly closer to an indicator of things to come when this team gets healthy, has everybody back from the Olympics or injuries or green cards or whatever, you know, the full strength starting 11, this is going to be a very good team. And I would be flabbergasted if we don't have a significant spot in the playoffs. I'm talking top four. Whoa. Top four. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's kind of the hot take stuff we bring you on we bring you on for Grant. So I'm glad yes, I'm this why I'm here. What better way to finish off post loons tonight? Uh, thank you to everybody who left a comment on the stream. We appreciate it. Thank you for watching, whether it's on Twitter or YouTube. Again, one last time, if you are watching on the YouTube stream, give us that thumbs up before you head out. That would be awesome. Grant, thank you for joining me. Uh, really do appreciate it. It's um, again. Thank you to everybody watching for the interaction. That was awesome. I'm glad we were able to get a lot of those questions and comments in. If you're listening on the podcast afterwards, thank you for doing that. And uh, got a little bit of time off, 11 days until the uh, until the next, next one uh, on the 18th. So basically a weekend and a half off here. You get two straight Saturdays with no Minnesota United as it's a Sunday 1 p.m. game against Seattle at Allianz Field. And then you're back at it the following Saturday. Um, and that one is against, I had it in the notes, Portland. So two big home matches coming up. Uh, Seattle and Portland, both at home on the 18th and 24th. So, on my birthday, so we better beat Portland. Which one, 18th or 24th? 24th. Okay, so you're definitely coming on post-loons then. On, oh, on definitely. The birthday, I will right? not be sober, but yeah, yeah, I'll come on. <laughs> even better, even better. That'll get the people <laughs> to tune in. All right, Grant, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks everybody for listening and thanks for having me on, Jeremy. All right, have a great night. Have a great week. We will be back here uh, Saturday or Sunday, the 18th, for a little matinee edition of Post Loons after the match against Seattle. Until then, 
Stay safe, everybody. See ya.